Getting Better Healthcare is brought to you in part by Leo Pharma. Every American is acutely aware of the issues surrounding our healthcare system. We know miracles can happen, but we find ourselves bombarded by conflicting information and are uncertain of what and whom we can trust. We have some of the best medical care in the world for those who can afford it. Incredible new drugs that change people's lives but can be very costly. Many of the best doctors the world has ever seen, but not all are perfect. That's why Dr. Steve Feldman created the show, Getting Better Healthcare, to help walk us through the labyrinth, helping us understand how to take better care of ourselves and to better understand the challenges, issues, controversies, and complexities of our healthcare system as it exists and as it could be. For better health care and a better health care system, listen to the doctor. Now, here's Steve. Welcome to Getting Better Health Care on webtalkradio.net. I'm your host, Dr. Steve Feldman, founder of the drscore.com physician rating website. Last week, we talked with Dr. Scott Kirby, the medical director of the North Carolina Medical Board, on some basics about what medical boards do, how they contribute to the quality of care, how they're careful about addressing patients' complaints um, about physicians. On today's program, we're bringing Dr. Kirby back. He's going to tell us about the importance of communication in medicine, about communication between doctors and other doctors, and how that's critical to make sure patients get great medical care. This is a Great material for us all to, to follow because communication between people is critically important no matter what field we're in. Uh, but in addition to that, Dr. Kirby is going to go over with us some really um, Im- important and exciting thoughts on where he sees medical boards going, how licensure of physicians will evolve over time. Dr. Kirby, um, you've alluded to the issue of communication a number of times about physician-patient relationships, and you had a recent article um, uh, in the North Carolina Medical Board's publications uh, about communication. Um, wh- why did you write about communication? W- what are some of the problems, and and what are some of the solutions? You know, it's sad that we live in the age of communication, communication age, and yet there seems to be a uh, deterioration in the ability of individuals to communicate effectively with each other. The number of complaints that we receive uh, every year that can be attributed to poor or defective communication either between a physician and his patient or among physicians who are managing a patient is increasing uh, much more than you would think it should uh, with all the available devices that people can use to communicate with each other. Uh, Certainly some complaints have more than one component. There is a quality of care issue, there's competency issues, uh, but at the foundation of many of these, it is uh, defective communication. I think this is related to the press of time, uh, the expectations that individuals have about what any particular encounter with a physician uh, should uh, result in. Uh, I think it's multifactorial, but it is important 
that we start talking with each other and listening to what each of us are saying and respond appropriately. And and I think that there is just a breakdown, uh, unfortunately, of communication on many occasions that ultimately result in a complaint to the board. Are you able to share some any of the specifics of the kinds of problems that um, are brought to the board? Well, you know, my recent article was related to communication amongst physicians caring for a patient. Certainly, communication problems related to physicians talking with their patients is clearly a problem. But I, that's been written about uh, to the point that I felt like I didn't have a great deal to offer uh, for what is already available, including on the board's website about uh, patient-physician relationships and communication. So I want to address something a little bit uh, different that has also a significant potential for cause and harm, and that is when physicians don't who are caring for a patient don't talk to each other. And uh, we have found that uh, uh, because uh, there is a growing um, tendency for uh, the care of patients to be fragmented among numerous physicians. For instance, primary care physicians often do not admit their patients but depend upon a hospitalist to manage a patient while uh, they are hospitalized. And the communication breakdown that may occur either at the time of admission so that the admitting physician, the hospitalist, is not entirely aware of what all the uh, circumstances and the problems are, or even more often uh, a breakdown when the patient is discharged and there is lack of communication between the hospitalist and the patient's primary care physician who's going to be responsible for follow-up care. And we have seen instances where that lack of communication has resulted in uh, problems and other issues that are not appropriately addressed after discharge. I mean, as we all know, uh, insurance companies want people out of the hospital as expeditiously and quickly as possible. Um, this results in problems that were identified during the hospitalization not being completely resolved prior to discharge and the anticipation that they'll be taken care of once the patient's back to their primary care physician. But if there's not communication between those two individuals about those problems, then uh, these problems are not resolved and can create further patient harm. I guess it was much easier when it was just Marcus Welby and and there weren't the, all these specialists. Do you think the um, electronic medical record is going to help solve this problem, or is the reliance on that just going to make it uh, make it harder to loss of the personal communication? You know, I'm concerned about that because I review large numbers of electronic medical records, and I have to say that in many of them, not all of them, but many of them, I simply cannot get a feel for the patient's status. It's just very difficult to really get a feel for what's going on. There's so much verbiage and so much redundancy. It is so easy to cut and paste and use templates and have other information that pre-populates all the little data points on these electronic medical records that it, the, the, the actual patient 
gets lost in all the uh, extraneous information. You know, when we used to have handwritten records, uh, it, it was, I would say that the, the record was uh, uninterpretable, but at least intelligible if you could read it. Now, the records, because they're typed or electronic, are certainly interpretable, but they're not intelligible in many instances, and you just cannot figure out what's going on. It's so funny you said that. I've, I've always wanted to, to do a study um, based on something like the um, you know, NSA, the, the National Security Agency's ability to find signal in noise. You know, because like you, I remember 20 <laughs> years exactly ago when right. the note might have been just one, well, two words, you know, increased, increased some medicine, you know, and you would know that the doctor increased the medicine because the patient hadn't been doing well. But now the note's... The the weight. It'd be interesting to look at the weight of the charts over time, and so the because I I can remember going to a chart, pulling it off the door, looking at the last note, right. and going, what, what was this patient here for? I, I can't fi- figure it out. Because <laughs> I I have gotten medical records from hospitals to review when the patient was in the hospital for th- less than a week, three to five days, and we will get over 500 pages of medical records for a three-day hospitalization. That may sound completely unbelievable, but it is absolutely true. Yeah, that sounds like it might might not have been that complicated, a a three-day visit. Right. um, So do you have any advice for physicians on how they should be communicating better? You know, I think uh, it's easy for me uh, to advise physicians that they need to take the time to uh, carefully uh, hand off uh, patients, whether it's at the time that the on-call physician is going to be covered over the weekend or a patient is going to be discharged back to the primary care physician. Uh, time is money and time is difficult to come by in uh, the current uh, climate of medical care where uh, everybody is overworked and has too many responsibilities, including uh, completing all these electronic medical record forms and uh, insurance requests and a variety of other things. But I think that the critical areas have to be identified, which is providing information uh, amongst the providers uh, that are caring for the patient and uh, some of these other uh, less important uh, areas are going to have to be um, relegated to um, other other times. As we close the show, I'm wondering how you think medical boards may evolve or change over time. Well, you know, there's there's one aspect uh, that is uh, uh, quite controversial that is on the horizon uh, that uh, the board is going to uh, deal with over the next several years. As I outlined, acquiring a initial license in a state is a very rigorous and uh, complicated and complex process. You have to prove your competency uh, carefully before you're awarded your initial license. But the truth of the matter is once you have a license, uh, maintenance of competency during the time of your practice over the years is not 
quite so rigorously uh, investigated. And we, we in North Carolina do require periodic uh, evaluation of your continued medical education, and we do have specific requirements in that regard. But there is not a a careful uh, reassessment from year to year on license renewal about how uh, closely you're maintaining your competence. And on the horizon is a um, process and a proposal that uh, maintenance of licensure to maintain your license is going to be as carefully evaluated as now it is for board recertification. And so they're going to bring the level up of license renewal close or similar to that that is required for maintenance of board certification, which does require periodic testing and and additional very uh, careful assessment of your CME uh, activities. Um, From your perspective, do we need it? I mean, you're looking at the kinds of complaints we're having now. Do you get the sense that it's a paper exercise, that it's that it's uh, that there's really uh, going to be a lot of work for very little benefit? I think that the public and the state legislature, which ultimately governs uh, the laws that apply to the practice of medicine in North Carolina, are going to insist that some objective means of competency assessment be undertaken on a frequent and periodic basis. Uh, I I don't see that this is anything that is um, going to be able to be avoided just simply because of the pressure of the public, the legislature, patients, and other uh, individuals. Whether there is uh, clear evidence that this has benefit, I don't think that is currently available. And it's not pertinent either. (laughs) But one of the reasons is that nobody is doing it. And it's hard to prove the benefit or the value of an activity that's not currently being done. And I think this is going to require, and some states are going to pick up this program sooner than others. And I think that we will have to look very hard at those states that have chosen to go this route to see if it does have some effect. Very good. Any final suggestions for our listeners? No, I think I would... uh, Talk to your physician and uh, follow guidelines that are available about what to ask your doctor when you come for a visit. I mean, these are these are available on multiple sites, from the uh, federal uh, NIH site to uh, other places where you can get things that you should talk with your doctor about when you go to uh, for a visit. And I would encourage patients to uh, seek out these. Uh, guidelines and use them when they're talking with their doc. Thank you so much for being on the program today. Yes, sir. Well, it sounds like physicians like me are going to have to get used to the idea of some changes in how we're going to be licensed. Uh, uh, It's a matter of some trepidation and uh, excitement for me. Well, I want to conclude this uh, program about state medical boards uh, as I did last time with a reminder that 
the web is not the place for serious issues related to your doctor. Uh, if you're having a problem, um, contact your state medical board. That's uh, in large part what they're there for. They want to assure that doctors are providing great medical care, that they're meeting the, the quality of standards that uh, go along with getting a license for the practice of medicine. Well, that's our program for today. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed it, and we'll join us again next week. Uh, our program has been brought to you in part today by Leo Pharma. Our theme music is by the incomparable Michael Zioli. Until next time, I wish you the very best of health. Thanks for listening to the show today. Remember to go to DrScore.com to get and give feedback about your doctor and to read others' recommendations about doctors in your area. It's a way to choose your path to healthcare empowerment. That's D-R-S-C-O-R-E.com, DrScore.com. And we'll see you next week right here on Getting Better Healthcare.